Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show, man. I'm so excited for this brand new series, this entrepreneurial and leadership series brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Equity Bank is a bank and a team that really knows what it takes to start and grow a business. And that's why I'm proud to be associated with them on this special series. It's been exciting for them to be a part of this series, and it's been exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. Equity Bank is now listed on the NASDAQ exchange and has locations all across Kansas, as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas. Clearly, this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. So if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader, then I suggest you check out my friends at Equity Bank because they are a bank that really understands your needs. I'm so excited that you're listening. And the very first episode, special guest, CEO Jared Peterson of Vermilion. Now, Vermilion specializes in custom-made cables and shielding built to meet a vast number of military specification requirements for applications in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and of course, near and dear to my heart, general aviation and OEM applications. For over 50 years, Vermilion has been doing this, providing the, the military and aerospace industry with high-quality harness and assemblies. Now, Jared, he began working at Vermilion in 2009 as a sales associate less than 10 years ago, and he was specializing in the sales of all of this. He quickly rose to the ranks. He was definitely a high performer and became the director of manufacturing operations in 2014. During that time, Jared worked directly and closely with the former president, and in 2017, that president retired, leaving Jared at the helm. It's a fascinating story. I love his kind of meteoric rise. He's a young man. He's in his 30s, but he's a CEO that gets it. He truly understands leadership, and he truly understands culture, and that's what we really focus on in this conversation. It was a real pleasure and a real treat to sit down and talk with him. I think you're going to get a lot of leadership and culture nuggets out of this conversation. Then this very special episode brought to you by Equity Bank, this entrepreneurship and leadership series brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening. Well, Jared, I'm excited to sit down and talk with you, man. Welcome. Welcome thank, to the show. Thank you, Richard. I'm, I'm excited to be here. You know, looking at your background, it seems like you had a pretty fast rise to the CEO president. You're a young guy. I was looking, you started with the company as a sales associate. How'd you get there? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, started at the ground floor. Uh, got an opportunity to to get into the industry and was was excited to do that and uh, really just took advantage of the opportunities that were given to me. I worked as hard as I could on everything. Um, I never you know never set expect never set a ceiling for myself. Never set expectations and, and just constantly focused on what it was that you know, made our company better or made my job better. Right. Uh, found myself go moving from sales associate to customer service manager. Um, I did that for a number of years, uh, turned that into being the director of operations uh, for a number of years, and then uh, was blessed with the opportunity to run the company. So wow. uh, it's been a, it's been a great, uh, uh, a great uh, experience. A very fast moving experience. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 2000. Uh, I'm looking at the date here. Yeah. 2009. Customer service. That's yeah. amazing, man. Yeah. So what, before that, what was the intention? 
what was the dream? What was the intention before all of that? You know, what's wild is, is when I grew up and going through school, I played sports, I played baseball. So of course I had the dream. I was going to be uh, a major league baseball <laughs> right. player, but, uh, uh, my genes, you know, kind of didn't fit the mold <laughs> for that. So right. I needed to find uh, a new, you know, um, you know, a new experience, something to, to motivate me. And I thought it was banking. So I actually got into banking and I worked at a number of banks in the Wichita area. Right. And uh, that was exciting, but, it, you know, I just didn't feel challenged. I wanted more challenge. And, and so this opportunity came and I said, you know, manufacturing, I don't know much about it. Uh, I did work on a farm when I was growing <laughs> up. So I was like, I, maybe I, maybe I need to, uh, maybe I have a mind for this, a technical mind. Uh, I can put things together. So I got into it and uh, really just uh, made it, you know, as much as I made it, made out of it what I could. So, so you go, yeah, I like that. I can sense the, and I, it resonates with me because you're talking about this internal drive. You mm-hmm. had some sort of, I'm guessing some sort of gnawing or something that you said, I got to do something. And it's that Maybe the, I don't know com- what is it competition? What is it or feeling of wanting to make a difference? What it what it was? Yeah, it? you know I think it's a little bit of competition. Uh, you know I've always wanted to to exceed and excel in everything that I do. Yeah. Um, I've always had a mind. You know if I want to do something, I'm putting my mind to it. Right. And I'm always 110 percent. Uh, and, and sometimes that's a uh, you know a bad thing, but <laughs> uh, you know it causes challenges. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I get excited about something and, and I put everything I've got into it. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, it just excites me to always be challenged with something new uh, and something, uh, you know, right now we're trying to grow our company. Yeah. Uh, and so now we're putting everything we have into what can we do to grow. And it's, it's just an exciting uh, life that I've had, an exciting experience. And um, I really am excited now for the future, too. Yeah. So. Are you a curious guy? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always I'm always uh, trying to learn something. So I meet a lot of people. Uh, I do a lot of different things. I try to get out in the community and, and, you know, one, I'm trying to help, but two, I'm also trying to learn from people and see what makes them tick, mm-hmm. uh, see what makes them, uh, go and then learn what, you know, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Because what I've noticed is everyone does something, does everything right. different, a little differently. You know? Uh, and it's, it's neat to try to mold those together into, uh, a path that uh, I want to go down. Yeah. You seem like a humble, te- you have a humble, teachable spirit. I'm sensing that from you. Isn't that a re- prerequisite, don't you think, for this type of, you know, being the CEO, being a president, uh, being a leader of a company? Yeah. Is that a humility with that teachability aspect? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without humility, uh, you, you're going to find it very difficult to lead other people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, humility, being humble, um, recognizing that it, you know, you did your part in getting to where you're at, but it was not without the help of many others. Oh yeah. Uh, and so really understanding that and constantly reinforcing, you know, that within yourself, but with those that, that helped you get yeah. to where you're Who at. Who helped you? I, you know, I was hired in by the vice president of operations. Uh, he took me under the, under, you know, his wing. I learned an absolute, uh, tremendous amount mm. from him, learned manufacturing, uh, and then, of course, I had a number of folks in our company that still work there today that that gave me all their knowledge. You know, never you know held anything back. Uh, really, you know, took me under their wing and showed me what they were doing, how they were doing it. Uh, and, and so it was really, you know, a nice experience. And I, I can't go without saying too, you know, my parents. Sure, uh, they've always you know been there and, and always been. Uh, willing to do whatever it takes, you know, to help me succeed as well. So. You know, I've, I've, a lot of these conversations and I find, I always find it fascinating because I'm always kind of reflecting, well, where did I get that? Where did I get that kind of competitive drive? Where did I get that um, desire to, 
be curious and learn new things and try new things. Examples from your parents, from your father, your mother, did you see that in them? Did they instill that in you? What was it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I come from a, my parents were divorced early, mm-hmm. uh, seven years old. Uh, and, and, you know, they both as single parents, mm-hmm. uh, had to work extremely hard for me and my sister. And, and, uh, um, you know, I saw that, you know, day in and day out, you know, their, their struggles to make sure we had a good life and we had a good life, uh, because of them. Um, and so it was great, to, uh, a great back, you know, background, a great foundation for me to learn from, mm-hmm. uh, seeing a mom work two jobs, seeing a dad work two jobs. Yet I was still at every sporting event on time. I had all new clothes for school. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was always, um, you know, them above, or me above them, you know, in their eyes yeah, and seeing them sacrifice. fight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing them fight, you know, that was, that, that stuck with me. And I think I'm, you know, carrying that on. Yeah. You know, it, it so when you get to uh, Vermilion in 2009, at what point did you start saying, hey, you know what, um, I might be able to be able to run this company and probably do it better? I mean, at some point you had to say that to yourself. Was yeah. it early on? Was that the intention when you got in? Or? You know, it, it wasn't the intention when I got in. I thought, you know, I'm going to learn a new business, a new trade. Right. Uh, this is manufacturing. I'm going to learn how, how that operates and, and, you know, bounce that maybe into a career. At that time, I said, oh, I'll probably want to go to a, a larger aircraft yeah, this is manufacturer. A stepping stone, right? Yeah, I got you. Uh, you know, they they might pay more, have better benefits. Mm-hmm. But as I got engrossed into our small business and and that culture, um, I just loved the idea that I'm not a number on a sheet. I'm Jared Peterson, uh, you know, and I I can make myself, uh, you know, known. And and you know what's great about you know the the role that I've had and all the roles that I have, I can do something today. And I can see the results tomorrow. Yeah. And sometimes you can't get that when you're maybe at a bigger place. Right. Um, it's just a little bit harder to, to see how your effort uh, has turned into a positive or negative mm-hmm. outcome. Uh, but uh, that's what got me excited. So early on, I said, you know what? This is the place for me. Uh, go for it. Yeah. Uh, and, and did that. And a lot of things have happened for me to get to where I'm at that, that were not, you know, something that were within my control. But uh, nonetheless, it's, it's been a blessing for, for me and my family. And, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be for our company. Yeah. I like that. And isn't it, isn't it part, part of it, don't you think? Um, like you said, you didn't go out with the intention of it. You kind of, your intention was really, like you said, kind of an open mind. I want to learn something new. Let's just see where this goes. And a lot of times when I see people kind of complaining about, well, I didn't get this, things didn't fall into place. Well, it never really does, right? But if you can, or you can be um, willing to go through these multiple doors and not, and, and not know where it's going to lead you. Isn't that part of the, the excitement or prerequisite to, to, to a life of significance? I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like saying yes to the opportunity, yeah. not knowing where it's going to go. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, everyone has a plan, uh, but if you're just rigid and that's the only way yeah. you're going to get there, you, very rarely are you going to get there. Exactly. Uh, you've got to you know, have an idea, a rough draft, but man, you're going to have tangents going all over the place mm-hmm. until you find you know, what fits. And, um, you know, I wanted to be the baseball player. I'm not a baseball player, right? Uh, you know, and so everyone I think has an idea, you know, as they, as they grow and get older, what they want to be, but everyone also has to be flexible and, and understand that, that, you know, if you work as hard as you can and you never set a ceiling for yourself, 
you know, you're going to find your way into success. I like how you put that, right? Is don't set a ceiling for yourself and have the willingness to be flexible and kind of roll with the punches and see where this goes, right? It's almost like, you know, it's the old cliche is like, if you fall in love with the process, then you don't have to be so worried about the outcomes, Mm -hmm. right? And that's really what I'm sensing from you. Like you've kind of adopted that. I mean, you're right. All of us kind of say, hey, and I think a lot, I think it's almost like you have to kind of go through those trials of like, well, this is what I'm going to do because this is what's going to make me happy. And this is what's expected of me to extent, right? I got to go to school, get a degree and get a job at a major corporation so I can walk away with, you know, the gold watch at 50. And you think that's going to make you happy, but then along the way, you know, you get bumped, fall, skin knees. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people, uh, people always want to succeed innately. Success is something everybody wants. They want, we want to know that we're here and that we matter, right? right. That's, Ex- it's, it's, everybody has exactly. That need, everyone has to, you know, you have to embrace it. Right. Uh, if you don't embrace it, you're, you're really, um, you're, you're really setting a ceiling for yourself. I mean, you're, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to succeed. Uh, you know, you just, you just have to constantly, uh, evaluate where you're at, where you want to be and why you want to be there. Uh, and that might be more important than anything is, is the why, why do you want to be there? Uh, because you might answer those questions and you go, wow, I'm not on, I'm not in the right place, uh, to be where I want to be, uh, because I don't know why I want to be there. You said something that just, yeah, yeah, it gives me goosebumps because you're absolutely right. It's the why piece. And it's like, man, if I, I wish I would have been searching for the why a lot more intentional, you know, I had more intentional uh, uh, work behind it, right? And because if you can answer that why, and that's always, and, and, I'm, and we'll get to that too, as you as a role as a CEO, right? I think that is your primary job is to communicate what is you're trying to accomplish and why. Absolutely. It is the hardest job, I think, as personal growth and also the hardest job, I think, as a leader of a corporation or organization to, to find out what it is and then to communicate it. Right? Absolutely. You know, I, I look at, I, I, small business, we all are going to wear a lot of different hats. Sure. Um, so I'm working on sales, uh, quality, engineering, purchasing, always involved. But my primary responsibility is I'm setting the vision mm-hmm. and the strategic direction and then constantly reinforcing that with our employees, uh, and with our, with the, even our employees, but also our subcontractors and our customers. This is what we're here for. Uh, we, we've set this just a few months ago and we say it now every month. Our, you know, customer is not, uh, the large OEM aerospace or defense OEMs of the world. It's two different sets of folks. It's the warfighter. Uh, mm-hmm. our customers, the warfighter, we're making sure we got to build a great product to make sure that they're safe and they can come home. And the second customer is the family of four that saved up their, you know, all year long to go on a vacation. They need that airplane to be on time mm-hmm. and, and get to where it needs to be safely so they can enjoy that. Uh, and when we start embracing that as, as, you know, employees and as a company, you start to answer that question. Why am I here? Yeah. Uh, you know, we all want a paycheck. Uh, we all want benefits. Uh, we all want the ability to go home and say, I had a successful day. I did something well. But when you say, I went, I did something so great today. I was able to support our country. I was able to make sure a warfighter got home. Uh, and, and that, I mean, that makes you feel good. Man, you are hitting on something. And I get to, this has been my biggest frustration in 18 years in the corporate arena. And I've had some knockdown, drag out arguments with 
my CEOs and bosses I work for on this very thing that you're talking about, right? And it's amazing how people, you know, we always so get so wrapped up in the product, the marketing, everything, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the processes and the yeah. procedures that we're at. But what you just said is so critical, and, and I want I want this point to be driven home because I think it is the keystone to a successful culture and organization or what separates you from, you know, the competition and everything else, right? Because let's face it, the market's constantly changing, the products are constantly changing, but what stays constant in business are these dysfunctions that we have that every company has from silos to lack of communication mm -hmm. to our own leadership failings and faults and the way that you get through that, and I think how, and engagement, and really what you're talking about is how does how do I get, you know, how do I stop that revolving door of employees? How do I get people to feel like engaged? And what you just described to me is, at, look, you're selling, you know, data cables and and all these other wiring and everything else, and like how is that sexy? It's not. But what you described it, yeah. I'm part of something bigger than myself. I'm working for you and I'm there. You've just described me. I'm part of something bigger than myself. It doesn't matter what the product yeah. is. Lives are at stake. Absolutely. And that's how you get people engaged and people to make decisions at the lowest level and get people right. So right. what do you think when you hear about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, if you were to walk into our shop, you're just going to see a lot of wires yeah. and cable and spools strung out all over the place. And, and uh, you're going to go, wow, that – <laughs> that just looks like a big mess, you right. know, uh, you know, but when you start tying it to, uh, the different programs and mm -hmm. platforms that, that we're serving, uh, and, and then you start tying it, not just to those, but you start tying it to the individuals that are yeah. out there, uh, using those products, uh, and how those are affecting our lives every day. Uh, it all of a sudden turns a mess of, uh, a cobweb yeah. of wires into, uh, something that's important, uh, not only to you, but to your family, to your country, to the world. Yeah. Uh, and when you start tying that together, people start uh, getting excited. And, you know, one of the most uh, exciting things for me is when I have an employee come up to me and say, hey, I saw on the news maybe that this aircraft uh, was involved in a in a uh, in a, a uh, battle or mm -hmm. or involved in a mission and it succeeded or hey you know uh, we saw that this aircraft had trouble and that our product saved the day we have a great story uh, on that we make some products for uh, what's called a ram air turbine uh, and uh, and the uh, Hudson River crash yeah uh, with Captain Sully right. he needed a, he ram, needed air a ram air turbine power. and our product was on that awesome. aircraft to give them power to successfully uh, you know crash land in the Hudson <laughs> right. River and so you know we tell that story you know to people when they come and apply and when we're interviewing because we want to see how what's their reaction to that do they light up like man I want to be a part of this yeah you know because it's it's a cultural fit uh, that we're looking for, um, sometimes more than we're looking for a, a technical expertise. Um, and so it's, it's so important for people to know that, you know, it is a job, uh, you, you know, you do, you do have to work and sometimes it's not fun. Uh, but look at the big picture, look at how we're really, you know, serving our community and our world and how you're such a big part of that. Yeah. I love uh, that. And, and it is, it's amazing, uh, to see what, people can do 
when they feel like they're serving something greater than the job in front of them. I agree with you 100%. And that has been my mantra on this show in in my corporate setting uh, that is so crystal clear to me. It was something that was that what you described was something that was ingrained to me in the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps is very good. And it's and, and let's give it credit the Marine Corps. It's easy for the Marine Corps to sell that. Sure, right? sure, yeah. Wire bundles, selling bird feeders, you know, where I work, yeah. you know, decorative lawn and garden. How do you get people excited about should this bird feeder be yellow or red, yeah, right? absolutely. But then if you can equate it to like, well, look, there's 350 lives at stake here in this building and their families. Yeah. That we got to determine that this bird feeder is the right color for Walmart because Walmart's going to buy yeah. $8 million worth of it. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. And that's, you know. I always like I always like talking to to other leaders and leaders of companies, uh, and I always listen for a key thing. And it's some folks will say my company, some will say our company, mm. uh, and I love to hear our company because it, it really is, uh, it is that you know, and we have to embrace the fact that that everyone involved is what makes it turn and mm-hmm. and what makes us serve those. Uh, you know, end customers, those warfighters, and those vacationers, mm-hmm. and, and and you know. When we say it's my company, uh, it, it leaves it's a it's a it's a tone that you'd rather uh, maybe not have. I think. Uh, yeah, I, think I always get excited when I hear somebody say, I "Yeah, it's too. our." You just said it. I was like, "Yes, right." It's it's our company. It's the 350 people that that uh, you know are trying to make this thing work. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, And I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. When did that clarity happen for you? Because I got to tell you, Jared, I mean, there's there's a lot I've interviewed and and met with and dealt with a lot of leaders, leaders that are a lot older than us and a lot more seasoned than us. And they still don't get it. It's all about the numbers, the bottom line, the processes, the procedures. You seem to understand the power of culture. You seem to understand the power that it seems like you, you feel like your number one job is that is the number, the cultural, yeah. the cultural ambassador, the one that's reminding people that you're part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. No. How did, when did that clarity happen for you? Sure. It, you know, it, I think it's really just happened in maybe the last 18 months. Really? Uh, it really has, you know, um, as running our operations, um, you know, I, I had to understand I couldn't mm-hmm. do it all. 
Uh, and, and, you know, there for a while, you know, early in my career that you know, what helped me set foundations for success was I was trying to do it all. Uh, yeah. and so I got to learn a lot, exposure yeah. to a lot. I got to be involved in a lot of things. There's a lot of work and a lot of hours. Uh, but then you, you know, as you gain, you know, as you move up in, in the, you know, ladder, corporate ladder, uh, you start to realize that that is not impossible anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, you have to, uh, rely on others, yeah. uh, and, and great people and you have to build them up and give them encouragement and, and really, you know, set your expectations, uh, with them. Uh, but also, you know, let them set some ex- expectations for you. Yeah. Uh, as their leader. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I had to learn that, you know, I would say I had to learn that through trial and error. Yeah. Uh, you know, I found myself in the office at 4 a.m. one night, you know, still working. And, and my wife's texting me and calling, where are you at? <laughs> yeah. and, and finally I said, you know, I kind of had that moment of clarity. Like, why am I even in here doing this? Mm. I have great people that would love to do what I'm doing right here at four in the morning. I just need to give them the opportunity. It, it's, it, it's almost like you have, I, maybe there's a sh- quicker way, <laughs> but I, I'm thinking back to all my time in the Marine Corps, the, my time in the corporate arena, starting and shipping, receiving operations, seeing it. And yeah, kind of having that mindset, Hey, operations make their, it's like us versus them. And then you move around, you see, and you're like, Oh, you know, and, sales does need to promise the world and it's everything, right? It's like everybody's got to be bought into the whole thing because you want that, you know, instead of uh, as the operations guy in the tail end of the whip trying to Mm -hmm. deliver the world, you do want the salesman to to promise the world. And then you want to be excited and figuring out how to deliver the world, even though it's seemingly impossible, right? And if if you get that culture going like that, and again, it's tied into that, making people feel like they're part of something unique, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we like to have fun with it. Uh, we do, uh, we like to do, uh, games where, you know, you have your operation side. We want our operation side to get more out of the door every month than what the sales guys can book. Yeah. Like right. That. So we have a little competition yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's exciting because it, it gives everyone another why, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, now we have to compete. So you, yeah, you're, you're hitting you, you want people to have a, a, a why for, uh, you know, the world. Right. And, yeah. and then you give them, you know, there's some people are going to be motivated through competition. So you give a little bit of a comp- competitive, uh, you know, balance going on between, t- between departments. But at the end of the day, you know, you get to show them, look what's happening. You know, you're growing at sales and operations. You're just pumping it out the door. Our capacity is increasing without having to hire or invest just because, you're motivated for mm-hmm. a number of reasons. And, and so it, it is, uh, it's a challenge. Uh, and, and I tell people all the time that, you know, today, you know, today was a good day, but tomorrow has to be a better day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so we constantly have to, you know, keep that going, uh, because the first, it only takes one day for it to slip for then everything that you've built to start to crumble. Everything you, uh, buildings take, years to to build skyscrapers take years to build uh they come down in a day yeah, right? right uh and so it's just so important to to constantly you know battle it and that's that is that is number one uh a b c priority for for me mm-hmm. uh but you know i also try to make that number one priority for all of our managers uh you know build your teams up uh, make sure we're we're within the value system that we've created. Yeah. And everything you do through your coaching, through your training, tie it back to the values, tie yeah. it back to our culture. 
I like, yeah, if you don't have that, I love that too. And whatever your values are and, and it, that can always be, it's almost like everything, every decision you make, no matter how small it is from when we refill the supply cabinet right. to these large strategic ones, if you can bounce it against that litmus test of that, what do we stand for and why? Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, uh, one of our, one of our values you know, we, we have integrities and we have honesty mm-hmm. and, and we try to have a meritocracy. And, uh, but one of the things we talk about a lot is, is uh, would you say it or do it if the customer was sitting in the room? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so easy when you just think of it that way. It is, it, it's enlightening. Yep. It takes the pressure off. It really does. How would I handle this if the customer was sitting in the room with me? Uh, would you handle it the same way? And once you kind of embrace that, uh, it is a weight. I think it lifts off everyone's yeah, it, shoulders. It is a freeing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, in the same vein, like, you know, kind of one of the foundations of leadership is setting the example. And we're like, well, what does that mean? And like, well, it's really, it's, it's doing the right thing even when no one's looking. Yeah, right? absolutely. And if you can keep it that simple and you're like, well, that's so hard to do. Well, is it, if you really know, I mean, it's really a simple thing to follow. Right. 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 Yeah. The, the key is uh, making sure people understand what is the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's important. And, and, you know, so when we do training and exercises, that's what we're, you know, we're really focusing on is, is making sure folks understand what is the right thing so that they know what, you know, what that is. I, I'm a big believer in expectations, um, setting what expectations are, uh, everyone understanding, you know, where we're headed and what we're, what we're trying to achieve. Um, but we also want to make sure that, you know, everyone knows how we're going to get there. And if you don't know, ask right and right that's always a challenge but but that we you know that's what we want what's refreshing when i hear you say that because it sets the stage of something i'm really passionate about is this idea of a decentralized leadership culture mm-hmm. where to the maximum extent possible you're pushing the decision making to the lowest tactical level possible right mm-hmm. in varying degrees of accountability and given responsibility but what i'm hearing is is if i'm working for you and i know there's alignment and clarity, alignment to where, why, where and why we're taking the direction we are. And then I know how my role feeds into that. And you're telling me why, then I feel empowered. I kind of hate the word empowered anymore right. because it means, because it kind of implies that I didn't have the power in the first place. I like to think people already have the yeah, power, sure. right? And like, I didn't take anything away from them. They just, they just need to reveal the power that is already within them. Right. And it sounds like you're setting up a culture that would allow me to do that. In other words, you're giving me this broad intent is what I heard you say. Mm -hmm. Then I should feel comfortable making a decision without coming to you. Right. 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 And you would support and say, I did make the decision and maybe it was uh, not the ideal one. I still think you would support me and talk sitting across from you. Yeah. I, I feel comfortable that I could come to you and go, Jared, I screwed up. Yeah. And this is what I was thinking. And you would go, well, what were you thinking? Blah, blah, blah. And as long as what you saw what I, I was in the best interest of the company, I think you'd probably support me, right? Now, you may use that as an opportunity to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, the, the, you, you hit the nail on the, he- uh, on the head, you know, more mm-hmm. or less here is, you know, if, if I embrace, we embrace mistakes. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're not making mistakes, it's because you're not taking risks. Right. If you're not taking risks, you, you know, we're not really in our value system anymore. Right. Uh, and, and so, uh, you always, uh, always look for opportunities to, to help others, you know, feel comfortable in their decision making power. And, and, uh, 
you know, one of the things that, that uh, we like to say and I've been saying is, is, you know, we want a culture of high expectations, not a culture of fear. And it's such a, oh, yeah, it's it. such a like it. fine line and you, you have to balance it mm-hmm. uh, because if you set the bar high and then people fail, uh, you know, you want them, you want to embrace their failure. You want them to embrace their yeah. failure uh, and, and learn from their mistakes. And so long as the decision-making process was within the values of our company, uh, it's just an opportunity to learn. It's, it's not a failure. Uh, you, you can turn a failure into a success just by learning from it um, and improving you know, upon you know, that which you failed. And that's the key. I think you have to be, as a leader, you have to understand that those are going to happen. And they're such great, powerful opportunities to move the cultural needle, right? right? And we're so worried about making these mistakes. And what I'm hearing from you is like, well, look, they're unavoidable. I want to avoid them. Yeah. But as long as the mistakes aren't fatal, we're going to use that as an opportunity because I know that I'm, you know, you're on the, you're defeating mediocrity, you're defeating stagnation. And if you have the awareness as the leader of the company to take that opportunity to say, okay, guys, let's embrace this. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. We'll survive. We don't want to do this again. Right. Yeah. People love that. Yeah. They thrive in that. Environment. Absolutely. People get excited. Uh, people get excited when they make a decision Yeah, and, and it's successful. They aren't as excited when, the, when it fails, but they get excited to improve it. And that, like, when you start seeing that, you know that culture is, has really started to take place is when folks are excited to improve upon what that which yeah. failed. Uh, and, and it really, you know, it really starts to resonate uh, throughout your company uh, once, you know, you've actually had success because you learned from a previous failure. Yeah. Uh, you know, people really light up and, and really start to, feel comfortable in their decision-making, you know, authority, power, whatever, you know, uh, however you'd like to coin it. But it's, it's really, uh, it's all about, you know, letting people feel comfortable and making the decision um, and also failing in it. Yeah. Uh, if, if they feel that way, then you're going to come out on top. It's getting comfortable yeah. with the fact of being uncomfortable all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Exit and your it, comfort zone is right. what we, we say that. Yeah. Because you can't, the comfort zone and the growth zone, yeah. can't, they don't exist in the same plane. Right. So you have to always be pushing yourself. So that means you're always going to have butterflies in your stomach. Yep. You're always going to be, what's next? I'm uncertain. I got to pull the trigger with not all the information, <laughs> right? Right. You try to get as much as you can, but at some point you make a decision and you see what happens. That's right. right? And then you pivot, adjust, and do it again. That's right. Yep. You're and it right. drives me crazy to see, particularly the larger you get, the more inherent it becomes just because of size. And so the more that you can just keep that, those decisions being sound and timely with the emphasis on being timely, mm-hmm. the better off you're going to be. Right? Yeah. And the yeah. happier the employees are going to be. Right? Yeah. Ti- ti- yeah. Timeliness is extremely crucial in, in, in our world. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when you think about who we're serving, and this is how it's so easy to tie back to, uh, if we are on time of delivering a product to a defense customer, who are we really hurting? Yeah. Uh, the warfighter. War He's not getting that technology that, that could, you know, help bring him home. Yeah. Uh, or help him with his mission, him or her with his, their mission. Uh, you know, and so, you know, when you start thinking about decision making, um, on time with your products, wherever you fall in, in our structure, uh, when you start tying it all the way back to those topics that, you know, we, we, we discussed earlier, it, 
it makes it so simple. It, you said it, it's so freeing. It takes the cloak it really does. Uh, off and, and you let your, you, know, you let your shoulders kind of release and, mm-hmm. and everyone just gets excited about making sure, you know, it, it's going to happen and, and happen for those, you know, end users and customers. I find that the more autonomous or autonomy that you can give groups, teams, organiz- in an organization, your, the things that you've been frightened by, from a bean counter perspective to a safety, all of this, those metrics, whatever mm-hmm. all those guys are tracking, all of those improve the more freedom and auto- autonomy that you give. And that's what it's, it seems counterintuitive to kind of the process minded, the bean counter minded. Right. Right. Cause they want to clamp things down. They want more KPIs. They want more detail. Mm-hmm. They want more details in the plan. And I'm like, God, the deep, the more detail in this case actually is the enemy. Let my pros that are down there, Working the harnesses, touching the customer, intimate yeah. with the processes. Let them tweak it and improve it. They want to do good, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, big believer. Everyone innately wants to succeed or do good. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, in manufacturing, especially in the aerospace environment, your continuous improvement is, is such a big deal. Right. And, I mean, to the point that you know, it's it's, it's audited by regulatory agencies <laughs> right. that, that you're actually doing it. You know, right. it's uh, and so. You know, I think early in my career, and we're just talking 10 years ago, you know, actually nine and a half years ago. Uh, and I think this was more of an industry thing, too, is, is continuous improvement was like, well, the managers have to come up with better ideas, uh, you know, for how to do something right, uh, or how to improve something. And so you would get to the end of the year and you would you know, do a, a management review and review all the continuous improvement activities you did for the year. And you'd have like four. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and some of the, you know, uh, we moved the tables north and south <laughs> right. versus east and west. Exactly. And, and, you know, things that, that, you know, maybe weren't, you know, very impa- impactful. Uh, you know, and so we actually, you know, we took a look at this process and said, what, why is it? that we feel that managers are the only ones that can can do this because you know Jared and all the experience I've had at our company I've not yet built a wire harness right um, I've done some some little small operations but I've never built a product so who am I to to say hey this is how we should build it or this is how we should plan uh, you know, uh, an operation or this is how we should uh, you know inspect or test something I, right I don't know right uh, and so you know, we really looked at it when you said, hey, no, everybody, you know, should be putting in continuous improvement. And really, you know, the continuous improvement ideas, you know, should be, you know, coming from those folks that are actually, you know, doing, doing the, the job, yeah. doing the work, uh, you know. And, and, you know, it's our job as the leaders to make sure that we treat those with high priority and, and evaluate them and implement them every time that it, it makes good sense. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's a complete 180 from how we, you know, we were handling it. But I think the industry was, was maybe set in that way a little bit. And, and some companies may still be that way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we just finished a management review and we had 27 continuous improvement activities this year. And, and it, it's a complete, you know, change. And, you know, we have a log of ideas that are out there. We've really tried to get people to, to embrace, like, if you have an idea that can make it better, uh, yeah, I always, put it out there. I always found that, particularly in manufacturing, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. It's like, and I always used to say, look, continuous improvement should be, be continuous. It's like a given. Right. Right. And it was funny how, 
continuous improvement was like its own separate thing. And that's what always bugged me about mm-hmm. it. And what, what you described and the reason why you only got four, you know, I, I've, been, I've yeah. been there. It's because when you, when you look at it in the old way, it's like you're celebrating or you're, you're valuing problem solving instead of valuing innovation. Mm-hmm. That's the subtle but powerful difference, right? Right. And I would rather be in love with innovation. Right. And if you're going to, have a culture where you're in love with innovation, you got to get everybody involved Yeah. because sometimes you get the best idea from that $8 an hour spot welder who's working the rig. He knows how to improve the rig better than you and I would. Any yeah. Day. Yeah, absolutely. Now that it's, uh, it, it's so important that no matter where you're at in the company, you have the ability to improve your, you know, your process, your role. Uh, and when you start, giving people that, that ability, uh, they tend to, you know, succeed and make it better. And it, and for us, you know, we just see tremendous capacity, you know, availability without, you know, adding on to our building, without bringing on a bunch of extra people. It's just through improvement. And, and, um, that's really exciting for, for us and the employees and we try to reward them yeah. uh, when, when those types of things happen. Well, it's exciting for me to hear that. It yeah. sounds like you value culture improvement as your number one priority. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I, yeah. It, it is. I think that's the, you know, I think I said it's, it, that's top priority uh, for, for me is to make sure that, that we're staying, you know, in that culture because as long as, as the culture is taking root and people are embracing it and people are working within it uh the direction we're going is up yeah uh you know and so it's it's uh we never leave our wounded behind kind of a thing and so when something falls out of that of that cultural fit we've got to you know pull them up right mm-hmm. away get them back in get the get the boat get the ship steering back mm-hmm. in the right direction and, and keep moving forward so uh number one priority and what I spend most of my time thinking about is, is that. That's awesome. Yeah. How is it, you know, you said you wanted to take it from a culture of fear to a culture of high expectations. Yeah. How has that worked for you? How, what, if you look back, you know, how, how was it improved in the, in the short time? Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's been a challenge, mm-hmm. uh, and I, we're not where we want to be today. Uh, but, uh, uh, we've seen small improvements. We've seen, uh, I would say a majority of our of our staff really embrace uh, some of our values and, and embrace the idea that that the ceiling is is never set, our bar is never uh, not raising, and and, and uh, you know the the real challenge is how do we get you know those last twenty thirty percent to jump yeah, in right, yeah. and, and so um, we have a lot of experience in our in our team, and and that's a wonderful thing for us, and it's getting. Uh, everyone to embrace something a little bit new yeah uh, and it's a challenge it's, it's, it's not a challenge just for me i mean it's a challenge for for each person to want to change yeah uh you know and, and uh, we want people to not be scared to fail yeah we want people to be scared not to succeed yeah well, you know like, and, yeah. and that's like saying the same thing but it's, but it's really not but it's it's a difference between looking at it from a scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset, right? right? And you're talking about abundance here right. the other way, right? Right, and, and that's what we, you know, we always, uh, we talk to managers about, about we want people to know when, when we didn't meet expectations, mm-hmm. but we want them to know because we want it to be an opportunity to improve, not because we want them to know they failed. Right. Uh, it, it, this is, it's, it's more about 
hey, we have an opportunity to get better today. Yeah. Because, you know, X, Y, Z versus, you know, hey, you didn't do it right. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's that difference. It's it's saying the same well, thing, but it's given. Right. It's reinforcing your values and your culture through it, through the way you use the words and the way you, you know, use your tone. And then you set the expectation for improvement. Um, and so it's it's a. And it's, it's challenging for manufacturing. I mean, manufacturing, yes. because we got years, 150 plus from the Industrial Revolution to yeah. now fighting that kind of old mindset right yeah yeah and and so yeah your our work is always cut out for us in that realm but it sounds like you know you're well on the way and i guess i would ask we're sitting here a year from now where do you hope to be sure you know i hope to uh, a year from now our goal is to make sure that we have a hundred percent cultural fit mm-hmm. uh and we've we've kind of embraced a a it's, it's a four square chart but it's a your performance versus cultural fit uh, and making sure that that cultural fit is is a key ingredient because we can train people uh, on how to do their job uh, or how to meet, how to meet expectations within the, their their role. Uh, we can't. It's harder to train people uh, on a cultural fit yeah. on, on, on embracing things. So you know, a year from now, we really want to have one hundred percent that the right people and the right fit, uh, and we want you know bec- we want to be able to look at it one year from now and say, okay, here's what our culture is today. It's much improved from where it was at last year. Now, what do we need to improve uh, to make it better again? Because, you know, if I'm preaching to everybody at the bar, never, you know, never stops raising, the ceilings never get set, then then we can't ever sit and and say, hey, we finally have it. Uh, you know, we finally have it. It's, it's, it's done. And, and, you know, we've got to constantly raise the bar, constantly, mm-hmm. uh, look for opportunities to improve, uh, as well. So, uh, a year from now, I really want to see us, you know, just thriving in this new culture and these foundational values that we've set and, and, and then, uh, seeing how we react and, and move from there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to tell you, Jerry, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people and again, this is my passion talking about, it. I talked to a lot of folks and uh, you seem to me like someone that really, truly gets it. And I have no doubt that you continue this with this intentionality. Um, it's going to be something so refreshing and that it, people would be foolish not to want to work. I mean, honestly, if I was looking for a job like that, I would love to work in an environment that you're painting with, with for a million. Sure. And I mean that wholeheartedly. So well, congratulations you, for, for taking it this far. And I'm excited to see where it's going to go in the future. Well, I appreciate it, Richard. And I've, I've been excited to be a part of this. And yeah. uh I look forward to to hearing from other leaders with you as well. Right on. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this special entrepreneurial and leadership series, The Dose of Leadership, brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Make sure to subscribe to Dose of Leadership where you can hear more great stories in this unique and special series. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a listen to all of my Dose of Leadership podcasts, all of my episodes, and see why Fortune, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine all recommend this as a must-listen. Dose of Leadership features candid conversations with amazing guests, leading high-performing experts and organizations, large and small, all over the world. Find Dose of Leadership on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and go ahead and visit doseofleadership.com where you can find out more information about the show, myself, my speaking engagements, my keynotes, live seminars, and my mastermind events. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great day.